today, uh, last week we talked about the power of hope within. And we talked about how hope is necessary and how us having hope and placing our hope in Jesus gives us the power we need to move forward during some, some difficult seasons, during the times where we may feel hopeless and being reminded of God's faithfulness, being reminded of God's goodness, being reminded of who he is in those moments gives us what we need to move forward. And so today, I would like to talk about the power of prayer. And at the end, I'm going to challenge you to have a moment of where we just get together and pray. Now, for those of you who knew, I see a lot of new faces. As I'm preaching, you're going to hear some people talking to me. So let me just make you aware. I'm from the South. And, and even when I was here, I grew up in a, uh, well, I was here in a church. And we talk and we talk back. Amen. Um, so if you're feeling it, feel free to jump on in wherever you at. You can say amen. You can say preach. You can say, say whatever you want to say. You can say that. Thank you, Jess. Um, you can say that. Um, and so if you hear that, don't be alarmed. I know one Sunday I actually saw somebody who was thoroughly confused as to why people were talking. So I figured I want to uh, uh, let you guys know what that is. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we are here to hear from you. So speak to us, Lord. Your word is already anointed. You said when we accept you that we were clothed in righteousness, so we are, are, are ready to hear from you, God. We're, we're ready to hear your word. Open our ears so that we can hear it. Open our hearts so that we can receive it and let us leave here changed. Thank you for your word, God. All of you, none of me, speak through my vocal cords, think through my mind, God. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the key to any successful relationship is communication. Relationships, whether they're business relationships or whether they're personal relationships, relationships live and die on the art of communication. Behind every great relationship is a great communicator. Uh, behind every great business is a great communicator. Behind every great creation is a great communicator. Communication is key. Anybody who's been married for any length of time and happy, they will tell you that communication, excuse me, the art of communication, all the husbands say amen, the art of communication is key. So it is, is necessary, it seems a, a, a par that the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of, of us, the one who created the stars, the moon, and the sky, desires communication. Prayer is our way to communicate with God. Prayer is relational communication with God. We can talk to God. The God that decides whether you breathe or not. 
The one who put the stars in the sky, the sun, the moon, the seasons, who encamped his angels around, who woke you up this morning. We can communicate with him. God has given us a way to talk to him, and he's given us that way through prayer. Again, for those of us who are married, sorry, single folk, it's not your day, but for those of us who are married, we also know that communication is not optional. I felt that one in my spirit. Communication is not optional. You're not going to walk in the house and not say nothing to your wife. I mean, unless you want a problem, then when you walk in, you're going to speak, hey, how you doing? How was your day? You're going to, to have a conversation. Communication is not optional. As such, Prayer in the life of a believer is not optional. It is of the utmost importance. It is, it is, we have to understand that prayer is not optional. Prayer is not an event that happens. Prayer is not something that we just do out of a habit. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. And prayer is the lifeline of our relationship with Jesus. You can't be in a relationship with somebody that you never talked to. I know I got some high schoolers in here today. Guys, hey, listen. You can't say that's your girl or your guy if you've never had a conversation. That's called imagination. That's something different. Communication is not optional. How can you say that you are a Christian? How can you say that you have given your life to Jesus, that Jesus is the Lord and the director of your life if you haven't talked to him? If you don't communicate with him or worse, the communication is only one way. You walk up to somebody, say, hey, how you doing? And they just going, just never let you get a word in. And then they're like, all right, have a good day. I'm out. But for some of us, that's what our prayer life is like. See, relational communication. Relational. Where, 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 where he, you speak, he speaks, you listen. If we desire for God to move in our life, if we desire for God to move in our families, if we want to see God do something in our city, we have to become people who are dependent on prayer. We have to be dependent on prayer. I was reading Romans chapter 12, and in chapter 12, he talks about uh, what our life should be as a believer, what it should look like, what our behavior should be as Christians. And in verse 9, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, love is to be sincere and active, the real thing. 
without uh, guile or hypocrisy. Uh, We are to hate what is evil. We are to detest ungodliness. We are not to tolerate wickedness. We are to hold on tightly to what is good. We are to be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. We are to give preference to one another in honor, never lagging behind and diligent, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. Enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because our confidence is in Christ, steadfast and patient in distress. Here we go. Devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. Continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. Devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Here we go. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Sometimes, when you feel like it. Verse 18 says, in every situation, in every situation, no matter what the circumstances be, Be thankful and continually give thanks to God. See, I'm reading this. This don't sound optional. This doesn't sound like something that we do when we feel like it, if it feels nice, if we have time, if it's something that we consider. No, he says in every situation, no matter what the circumstance. Why? For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, y'all still don't believe me. Okay, Colossians, we're going to get in this book today. Colossians chapter 4, uh, verse 2. Colossians verse chapter 4, verse 2. Oh, right here at the beginning. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. I don't know if y'all know this, it's a theme here. Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Persistent and devoted. Unceasing and persistent. Prayer. See, the goal of prayer is to release God's will from heaven to earth, okay? The goal of prayer is to release God's will from heaven to earth. Heaven, uh, uh, prayer is how we make heaven visible here on earth. 
See, uh, prayer is how we get God and all of heaven involved in the affairs here on earth. See, when we say thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that happens through prayer. When Jesus fed the 5,000 with with, uh, the five loaves and two fishes in Mark 6, Jesus said he broke, he prayed, gave thanks, and then he broke the bread. Whenever we see Jesus uh, 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 doing uh, miracles or we, we hear about what he's doing in the Bible, we always see about how Jesus stepped away or he went away to pray. He went away to pray. The disciples didn't have a moment where they were trying to figure out where Jesus was. They already knew where Jesus was. If he's not with us and he's not performing a miracle, then he's praying. So if If Jesus, the Son of God, constantly prayed to get his heavenly Father involved in situations on earth, then how much more do we need to be praying? How much more do we need to be praying? See, our life must be marked by prayer, unceasing, devoted, Committed, continual, and persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Philippians chapter 4. I said, Pastor, why are you going through all these scriptures? Because you need to know them. That's why. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. But in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. What should we do with prayer and thanksgiving? Uh, Continue to make your specific requests known to God. Continue to make your specific requests known to God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I sometimes wonder if we got this part dyslexic, a little backwards, because it seems that we worry about everything and pray for almost nothing. Or, because I know I stepped on some of y'all toes, or when we do pray, it's the absolute last thing that we think of, and it's the last resort. After we've done everything that we could do, then we say, oh, you know what, let's go pray. That's backwards. That's backwards. He said, don't worry about anything but pray about everything. If we want to see victory in our lives at the level that God desires and that he intends, prayer has to become our first response, not our last defense. Prayer has to be our first response, the first thing that we do. It has to be something that's on the inside of us, something that we, that just wells up on the inside of us. There have been times where I've gotten calls and, and, and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they get calls. And when they get a call, they start sending it, they start making calls and say, guys, I, I, uh, this happened. I need you to pray. And I remember 
I believe it was, I think it was this year, earlier this year, I got a call. Um, I like to think that I'm a person of, of faith. Um, whenever a, a situation comes up to pray, I'm excited because I'm excited to see God do something. I'm excited to see God do something amazing. But this one was a little different. Um, I got a phone call, um, and I, I hope she doesn't mind me telling the story. I didn't ask her this time. I asked her before, but I'll just get in trouble. It's fine. Um, I got a call about my Aunt Pat. Now, uh, I love my Aunt Pat. Um, she is hospitable. Uh, she's stylish. Uh, she, she, she has this spirit of hospitality. So whenever you go to her, first of all, she can cook. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jess. I actually went a little early, but don't worry about it. Um, but she has this spirit of, of, of hospitality. Um, whenever you see her, she's dressed to the nines. She's always looking. She just has this presence about her. And I remember that I got a phone call that said that our Pat was in the hospital. And so we got together and we prayed. And I remember them saying that the situation, I'm not going to get into the details, but the situation looked pretty bad. And I like to think that I'm a person of faith, but this one was different. And so my immediate response was to pray. And the reason that this was my immediate response is because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt there was nothing that I could do. I did not have the expertise. I did not have the access. I did not have the ability. There was nothing that I could do. So I had to turn to the only thing that I could do, which was pray. See, prayer has to become our first response. And I remember, I, I, I remember praying and, and, and the reason that I went through these scriptures is because I remember there was times that I would pray and I would be full of faith and then I would get a phone call or time would pass and I would have this thought. I'm a creative person and creatives, our mind is really just weird. And, and, and these thoughts, we could create whole processes in our mind without anything happening. And I remember just having this thought and, I, and, and it just fear overwhelmed me. And in that moment, again, I had to say, no, I'm not going to allow fear to overwhelm me. I have to pray. And so I continued to pray, and I continued to pray. And, and mom and dad, they continued to pray. My wife, our family, we continued to pray. They said, you know what? It's not looking good. And, and we called Trina, and she said, you know what? This is happening. That's happening. I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to pray. Even in the moments when I didn't feel like I had enough faith, the only thing I knew how to do was pray. Pray consistently. Pray unceasingly. And, and this was a different kind of prayer. This wasn't, this wasn't God, just, just heal her, Jesus, Lord. If you could just, just if you got some time, Lord, if you, if you could just go over. No, 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 no. This was God. I need you now. Lord, I don't have anything else. I don't know anything else. God, Please, you're, it's, you're, you're, it's, a, it's something from in here in those seasons. It's something from in here. Our first response 
Acts chapter 12. I'm, I'm going to go here, and, 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 and I just wanted to preference with that. But Acts chapter 12, verse 1, um, I'm going to read it because we're going to go through it. But uh, as you turn, it says, Now at that time, Herod Agrippa, the king of the Jews, arrested some who belonged to the church, and he intended to harm them. Uh, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to have Peter arrested as well. This was during the days of unleavened bread. Uh, when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison, turning over to him how many? Four squads of soldiers. This is important. Four squads of soldiers of four each to guard him in rotation throughout the night planning after the Passover to bring him out before the people for, execute, for execution. Verse 5, here's the difference maker. So Peter was kept in prison, but. See, whenever we see a but in the Bible, that means everything that we said before, you can forget that. That, that don't even apply. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by the church. See, when you look at this scripture, uh, this word uh, that they use in the Greek is called uh, in the Greek is called ektenos. Ektenos is related to ektenis. It's a it's a medical term that describes the stretching of a muscle to its outer limits. Luke used this same word when he talked about the agonizing prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the kind of prayer that he was had that they were, they were, they was on the floor, they was under the pews, they was going, they did not stop. Consistent and persistent prayer, what was being made on behalf of Peter by the church. It wasn't a pretty prayer, it wasn't a pitter pat. This was ugly makeup, ugly cry kind of prayer. Here's the thing. Um, it was prayer that was crying out to God with everything in them by people who were assured that if they prayed, heaven would hear them. They were confident that if they prayed, heaven would hear them. All right, I got to go. Don't, don't hype me up. Yeah, I got to go. Okay. Verse 6, verse 6. Verse 6 says that very night before Herod was to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between how many soldiers? Two soldiers. Bound with chains and centuries were in front of the door guarding the prisons. Verse 7, suddenly. Suddenly. An angel of the Lord appeared beside him, and a light shone in the cell. Then the angel struck Peter's side and awakened him and said, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said, prepare yourself, strap on your sandals, get ready for whatever may happen. And so he did. And the angel told him, put on your robe and follow me. And Peter went out following the angel. He didn't realize what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. Uh, when they passed the first guard, okay, and the second guard, okay, and they came to the iron gate that leads into the city. Of its own accord, it swung open. And they went out and they went along the street and at once the angel left him. Verse 11, when Peter came to his senses... He said, now I know for certain 
that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people wanted to do to me. Here, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Peter chose to be obedient even though he wasn't sure of what was going to happen. See, it said he came to his senses. So that means he didn't know what was going on before. He was just he like, okay, I'm going, I'm going. All right, where we going? Are you okay, you ain't going to tell me? Cool, put on my robe, let's go. He said, I, I, I'm just being obedient. He didn't question, he didn't hesitate. When the angel of the Lord said move, he just did it. Verse 12, when he realized what happened, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where the believers were gathered. And what were they doing? They were praying continually and had been praying all night long. When he knocked at the door of the gateway, the servant girl Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she failed to open the gate. Sometimes my son do that. It's very irritating. Come, hey, hey, daddy. And then he leaves, like, open the door, buddy. She failed to open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Here's verse 15. This is interesting. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Wait a minute. Ain't we here praying for the man? Ain't we been here all night praying for the man? And I said, the man's here, and you're telling me I'm out of my, okay. Uh, verse 15, they said, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. See, this shows us something very interesting. This shows us how awesome God is. See, the church prayed earnestly. They were there all night. And though their prayer was earnest, their faith was little. Because the thing that they was praying all night for, they didn't really have faith to believe that it could happen. They had, they had a little faith, but they didn't, they didn't really believe. But here is the thing about God. See, their little faith was able to accomplish great things because they placed their faith in a great God. Their little faith was able to accomplish it. When we pray, it's important that we understand that we understand faith and obedience is our part. Everything else, that's up to the Lord. We don't have to worry about all of this, who, when, why, what, where, and how. He says, I just need you to be obedient. Faith and obedience is our part. We just have to pray. Verse 16. But meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. But motioning to him with his hand, he said to be quiet and listen. And he described how the Lord led him out to prison, and he said, report these things to James and the brothers and the sisters. Then he left and went to another place. See, because the whole church came together and prayed with one mind, with one accord, and they made prayer a first response and not a last defense. Heaven had to come and get involved in a situation. See, it didn't matter how many guards were with him or how many rotations they, they had. It didn't matter how many gates or how many chains they put on him. Once heaven got involved on this seemingly hopeless situation, none of that matter because prayer was being made 
And so all of heaven and God had to get involved. See, prayer changed this seemingly hopeless outcome for Peter. And what had might seem to Peter at the last moment, but he did it so that God could get the glory. See, prayer changes things. There is power in our prayer. Prayer changes things. Here's the thing. We have to believe that when we pray, that God hears us. This is the part for some of us. We have to be confident that God hearkens his ear to us and that our prayers produce results. We have to be assured that our prayer produces results. We have to be settled in this. This isn't something that we can afford to be teeter-tottering about and going back and forth with. When we pray in line with the will of God, with our faith in God, God hears our prayers. Not only does he hear him, the scripture tells us that our request is already granted. 1 John chapter 5 says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence that we have as believers, that we are entitled to, that we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will that is consistent with his plan and his purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears us, that he listens to us in what we ask, we know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the request in which we have asked. John says, as believers, we have this opportunity to make our request known to God. And not only that, not only does he hear our requests, but when our request is in line with his will, we have exactly what we pray for. So the question is, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Why has prayer become this thing that we do in the morning and when we eat? What happened? Because if somebody told you you could talk to the president of the United States at any time you wanted to and change whatever you wanted to, you would be on that phone all day. But we're talking about the creator of heaven and earth. And he says, I hear you. And I began to think about that. I said, why don't we pray? And I believe that there's some of us, I know that, you know, as a church plant, we get new people in here all the time. And, you know, there are people who are getting saved. And so maybe, you know, you may not know, a few of us may not know how to pray. Prayer is our communication with God. It's, it's, it's our, our conversation. It's our talking. God, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. I got this going on. God, I just want to glorify. I want to thank you for protecting me, God. I, I, it's, it's, our, it's our prayer. But for most of us, we don't pray because we don't believe. That's really what it is. We don't believe that he hears us. We're not confident in that. We, we don't believe that he'll answer us. We don't believe he'll do it this time. 
We don't believe. But we have to get to the place. We have to restore our belief in the character and the personhood of Jesus Christ. In the personhood of God. Because he continues to be faithful. He continues to hear us. He continues to wake us up. He continues to clothe us in our right mind. He continues to have warm blood running through our veins. He continues to be persistent. We have to restore our belief and our faith in the confidence of God. We can no longer allow belief to rob us of the most powerful weapon in our arsenal. We serve a God that loves us that cares for us, and has established a way for us to communicate him through prayer. Lastly, James chapter 5, verse 14. He says, is anyone among you sick? And as I begin to read this, he's not necessarily talking about a medical sickness. But you know how you see somebody, you're like, I'm sick and tired of you. It's the sickness that's talking about grown weary. That's, it's, it's this thing that's, that's constant, that, that's caused you to be weak. He says, is anyone among you sick? Good. Then call for the elders of the church, and they are to what? Pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Wait a minute, Jesus. I know people. I don't know that I want to be confessing my sins because it might beat me home. So who should I be confessing my sins to, Jesus? He says, I'm glad you asked that question. I already put it here. He says, confess your sins to one another, your false steps and your offenses, and pray for one another. So what does that mean? Uh, You should only be confessing your sins to somebody who's going to pray for you. See, some of us, we just want to have conversations, and then it's going back and forth, and you, oh, I thought I could trust you. Well, I ain't never prayed for you. Pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. Why? Because the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous believer, is able to accomplish much. It says, when our prayer is put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and it can have tremendous power. As the worship team comes, there is power in our prayer. There is healing in our prayer. There is breakthrough in our prayer. There's restoration in our prayer. There's strength in our prayer. There are miracles that are waiting to happen as a result of our prayer. We have to return to being people of unceasing, of devoted, of continual, of persistent prayer. Because that's where our power lies. That's where our power lies. If we truly want to see his kingdom come, if we really want to see his will done in our lives, in our family, in our homes, in our finances, in our situation, in our community, in the city of Woodland, 
we have to return to a lifestyle of prayer. So what is our application today? What is our take home? What is our, our thing today? I'm challenging you to pray. I'm challenging you to pray. I don't know what your need is specifically. I don't know what, what, what may be going on or what situation, but I'm challenging you to pray. I don't know if you got a prayer closet at home. If you don't or you need to make one or you need a space and you need a time, do it. I dare you. I remember as we began to pray for Pat, as we continued to pursue that prayer, I remember there was a moment, and I asked Aunt Pat this, I said, hey, you know, there was a moment where she thought that that was it. And she began to prepare herself. But continual and fervent prayer was being made for her by the church. Persistent, continual, fervent prayer was being made on her behalf by the church. Pastor Keenan, why why do you speak so passionately about it? Because I've seen it. I've seen it. And I told her this, every time I hug you, every time I see you, it's affirmation of the God that I serve. It's, it's, it's a reminder of how good he is. It's a reminder that he's faithful even when I don't think he's faithful. It's a reminder that he hears me even when I don't think he hears me. It's a reminder that God hears us. Get some time. Get a prayer closet, get a moment, get whatever you need to do, but I am challenging you to pray. Not a good morning, good night prayer, but a prayer that's stretching you. You may got to lay down on the carpet and cry. You may have to take some time. You may have to just get ugly with it, but I'm challenging you to pray. I'm challenging you.